Hey, this is Sean Tepper, the host of Payback Time, an approachable and transparent podcast on business, investing, and finance. I like to bring on guests to hear authentic stories while giving you actionable takeaways you can use today. Let's go. If you're starting or growing an e-commerce or SaaS business, this episode is packed with a ton of great takeaways. My next guest has worked for previous companies, including American Express and The Streets with Jim Cramer. Today, he runs an agency with over 40 employees that focuses on scaling B2C brands. In this episode, we talk about the minimum Facebook ad spend to achieve the best results, how to optimize YouTube ads, and what software platforms and systems he uses to build his own company. Please welcome Haymont Varshney. Haymont, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Thank you very much. Well, why don't you kick us off and tell us about your background? Sure. So I've been in digital and growth advertising for about 14 years. Prior to that, I tried to start a couple of businesses. Uh, Didn't always work out well, but learned a lot. But uh, I was a consultant at American Express about 10 years ago, left, uh, went down to Wall Street, worked for Jim Cramer at thestreet.com. Uh, ran, you know, marketing there. Everything was direct response, jump ship, went to a startup where we ran, we grew to about $100 million in revenue a year, of which the team I built out managed $60 million. And the team size, we grew to about 32 individuals. And after that, I decided to go into the consulting route and eventually ended up building out my business, Digicom. Awesome. All right. So I want to backtrack a little bit here. That startup, did you found that specific startup or did you join as an employee? I joined as an employee. I was head of partnerships uh, at the startup. Yeah. Got it. And how many employees were at that startup? 45. 45. Got it. Okay. So relatively small. Um, You didn't want to hang with it and watch it go to uh, like an IPO or an exit situation? Uh, it's not that I didn't want to, you know, see all of that as I was employee number eight. And so, you know, there were stock options and whatnot. But uh, basically what I wanted to do, like I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to marry the world of content marketing with my experience in paid ads across a number of different channels, um, you know, and also like web dev. I was finding a lot of the businesses we were working with, or at least a lot of the businesses we work with now, they're, you know, they're all direct-to-consumer brands. The majority of them are venture-backed, raised $2 million pre-Series B, or are doing, you know, at a minimum, like $2 million plus a year if they're a private company. Um, And kind of the challenge in, in the landscape that I was seeing is that it's expensive to hire a marketing team. You know, you need to hire a head of growth, somebody to help with budgeting and planning, somebody to do your creative, somebody to help you with your site, and then go out and buy the paid media. If you're hiring an agency or a consultant, the per headcount cost is like three to $8,000. You know, you're, you're somewhere in the 20, 25K range. For a marketing team, that's a lot. And so the opportunity area that I saw is, hey, have the skill set to do all of that, have the skill set to build out a team, And what I wanted to do was provide all of these services for a cost that's just high value. Right on. Okay. No, I I appreciate that. I had asked the startup question there if uh, there is an exit or something, but you definitely have the entrepreneurial spirit and want to do something on your own. So (laughs) I give you credit. Um, So 
D2C or direct to consumer is your area of specialty. So like in our space here at Ticker, you know, we're definitely a B2C, a business to consumer. So very similar. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear some of the insights in today's show. But why don't you tell us about the business you're building today? Is this like a consulting business or a service business or is it a SaaS? Sure. So uh, got a couple exciting pieces of information here. So we are a service business. And we're doing for the brands we're working with, essentially help them with their budgeting and planning. We're developing all the creatives for them. We are helping them with their website, optimizing all of that. And everything we're doing is more or less growth or direct response or acquisition marketing, however, you know, we want to call it. And our goal is to drive revenue at scale or profitability at scale for our businesses that uh, our partners we're working with. Got it. And what does that mean when you phrase it that way? This is good for my audience to know is at scale. Yep. So sometimes we will have partners come to us with, say, a 20K uh, media budget. And their acquisition targets for them to be profitable, it's $100 per acquired customer through our digital channels. And sometimes they're at $150 and they're almost there. Uh, What we do is we'll go in, we'll audit their business, audit their marketing, And then come back and say, hey, here is what we're seeing works. Here's the go-to market strategy from working together. We'll start running their media, optimizing across all of the different ad platforms, creatives, headlines, you know, your website. And then we'll bring that cost down. So you go from that $150 CPA target down to, say, $100 or $80 or $70 and Now, you know, the founder or the marketing team's like, cool, we are at target, we are profitable, let us start increasing scale. So for us, the first marker, if you're at 20K, it's to get you up to 50K, then 100, then 200K in spend while maintaining that efficiency. Right on. That's such a big part of building a business is, and and I'm going to kind of drop a name here. I was listening to a YouTube video. I was, I was treating it like a podcast. We got YouTube premium so I can just turn my phone off and just listen. But anyway, Jason Cohen was talking about you want to optimize your your cost per lead and cost per click as low as possible and then optimize your business. So you can put in a dollar and make two dollars or put in a dollar and make four dollars and just dial that up and watch that meter go. Um, when you can do that, you've got a smart business. So it sounds like that's what you do. You help those businesses optimize their cost per lead or your cost per click, cost per lead, cost per customer, and probably your LTV or lifetime value as well. Yeah. And that's exactly it. On the back end of the businesses we're working with, it's like, okay, cool. Like we got our cost down to say 70 bucks. You're making, you know, arbitrary example here, $200. How do we increase AOV or LTV? Is it adding in specific products as like an upsell in your purchase flow? Or is it cross-selling products uh, via email or helping with retention? Say someone, you know, say it's a SaaS platform, someone logs on, they might not entirely know how to use the platform. So, all right, they're on for a couple months and then they, they log off. Well, you know, an uh, easy way to solve that is having like an email nurture series of, hey, this is our brand. Like, thank you for signing up. Here's how to use the platform. Here's support if you ever need it. And what that over time does is build your LTV. Right. I I love that. I was watching, again, another video of uh, uh, Gil from Lemlist. He's talking yep. about how important it is to 
you know, you launch with your initial products, but then you have to create upsells and cross-sells other products to sell to your current audience, provide them more value, and then you can keep them around longer. So um, yeah. do you help with that creative process a little bit yep. with like your customers is like, hey, you're selling this one thing. Have you thought about selling this other thing? Okay, so in that sense, if the customer is talking to us about, hey, we have an idea, we wanted to, you know, see if it has legs. Yes, you know, we can help them bake out, okay, here's the marketing strategy. But in terms of providing, I guess that like business level consulting, we're not usually going back and saying, hey, let's build this other service or here's how you can improve your platform. But if it's like, hey, we have this service we want to test, how do we test this and figure out if it has legs? We at Digicom will come back to you with the plan of, hey, here's how we can get it into market. Right. Yep. Yep. Got it. So Digicom, how many employees are currently there? We're at 16 right now. Nice. And how long have you had the company? Three years. Three years. Okay. And I assume I'm going to jump into your business model a little bit here. We've had a lot of entrepreneurs on this podcast that talk about building product businesses, but as well as service businesses and a well-run service business creates reoccurring revenue, kind of like a SaaS business. So do you set up your pricing model like a monthly fee or do you do hourly or how does it work? Yeah. So uh, our pricing model, our goal is to be our partners built on team. We don't really a la carte uh, anything we're doing in our growth acceleration service. But if someone wants to like help us just to like only want to work with us to develop creatives, we'll all cart that out. But if it's growth acceleration, we have to do all of it because it's all connected. Our pricing model is the greater of a retainer or media spend. So as our partners grow, we grow with them. There is eventually an inflection point where if a client's spending like say 300K a month, for us that bakes out to about 30K in fees because we're uh, on the media spend side, we, we take 10%. So at like the inflection point of 25 to 30K, usually clients will start to build their own in-house team because now at that point, they're large enough, their revenues, you know, large enough. So it's like, cool, let's like try to bring this in. But then the challenge is like, how do we get the right expertise? So that is like one part of the business. But in terms of like metrics that we're looking at, we have growth targets, we have revenue targets by month, we have EBITDA targets that we want to hit so that there's like efficiency across the business because there are business fluctuations just like any other business. But a very good indicator, I think, of like our business performance is our retention targets after three months. And last year, we sat at 82%. Wow. So in other words, 82% of the customers that join you are staying. Yes. Right. And is that over the course of a year or multi-year? Uh, typically, our clients are staying with us for about a year and a half, like 1.2 years, like uh, 14 months to like 18 months. Got it. Yeah. And the average dollar size on the low end to the high end, what does that range look like? Uh, in terms of fees or media managed? Let's talk about both. Sure. In terms of media management, it's usually the lowest we want to work with uh, partners that are spending at least 10K a month. Just because if it's less than that, it's it's hard to get statistically significant data and provide that and optimize and grow. But then we're working with clients that are spending all the way up to like 300, you know, 300 something K a month. And then in terms of fees, that ranges. So as low as like 5K going all the way up to like in the 30s. 
Right on. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really good to know. And thanks for setting the expectations there in the 10K minimum, because we do run into other entrepreneurs in our space and they want to be playing 1K or 2K a yeah. month. And I'm like, that's just not significant enough to really measure. You know, you can't get sufficient data. Yeah. And you kind of just, you know, break it down. Like say you run one campaign, which has three ad groups in it and five creatives each. That's 15 different creatives with the like types of audiences. If you're spending $1,000 a month on like a $200 product, you're not going to get a statistically significant results on the ad that works, the creative that works, maybe the audience that works if it's just the one audience that, you know, is outperforming. So it's important to kind of set expectations, align that you want to be like in the 10K a month range before working with us or other agencies, I, I would say. Sure. Right on. Um, and do you focus specifically on Facebook ads or do you also do YouTube and Google? Yeah. So we run across a number of different platforms. So paid social includes like Meta, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat. Wow. For like the paid search areas of the world, we're on Bing, we're on Google, of course, we're running shopping, search, display, YouTube. Uh, we work with native adver uh, advertising platforms as well. So uh, think like Taboola, Outbrain, you know, it, it, it really ranges the gamut. Right on. Let's take a quick commercial break. If someone tells you to buy a stock, the last thing you should do is buy that stock. The first thing you should do is ask why. Unfortunately, a lot of influencers on YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Reddit, and really the list goes on, are giving really bad stock recommendations and investment advice. The question is, how do you determine if what these people say is good advice or bad advice? That's where Ticker can help. Ticker can quickly and easily determine if a stock is a good or bad investment, and it helps you manage your investments with confidence. But don't take our word for it. Check out our Trustpilot reviews to see what people are really saying. Go ahead and get started with a free trial. Visit ticker.com. That's T-Y-K-R.com. Again, ticker.com. All right, back to the show. I have to ask, this is more of a personal driven question. We, yeah. we have done an optimized campaign with Facebook ads. We're, we'll be turning that on when we launch the iOS and Android apps with Ticker. But we do get a lot of leads from YouTube, which tells us we should probably lean into YouTube ads. Do you have any tips, tricks, lessons yeah. learned with YouTube ads you could share? Yeah, so I think uh, when you're creating video content, right? Because for a lot of brands that want to run video content, it's different than taking you know different images and then running ads because those are easy to stitch together or, or develop assets, right? To run advertising. When you're doing video content, an easy, very easy way to have a lot of different video creatives, which is very important to test through and understand what's working, what's not, is create the main asset first. So the say the video is one minute long. We start the main part of the video where you're talking about who you are, the product, the service, right? which maybe starts at 10 seconds. So you have 10 seconds all the way through a minute. That's the main part of your video. Create that first and then create six different hooks that are from the one, from the zero seconds to 10 seconds. So hook one, hook two, hook three, hook four, hook five. And then what you can do is stitch the hooks with the main video. And now you effectively have six pieces of content over just one piece of content. And then when you're running these ads, you'll over time, you know, as you see performance come in, understand 
hey, is it hook one that works, hook two, hook three? And then you can build and iterate off of that. That's brilliant. What I, and just to kind of reframe what you're talking about, we could write and shoot a main video, but then write and shoot like six different intros to that video that are about 10 seconds each. Yep. And then you have six pieces of content versus, hey, I have one piece of content and this content is not working. Right, right. Oh, that makes total sense because I know with... um you know, Facebook ads, you want to be testing different ads against each other. You can use different images, which are easy to swap out. In this case, you're kind of using that same strategy, but with a different snippet of video uh, at the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to go a little deeper there. I've been told that you've got to catch people's attention with the YouTube ads within like three or five seconds. Is that accurate or can you go the full 10 seconds? Um, I mean, ideally within five seconds, right? Because if you run a non-skippable ad, it lasts three seconds and then someone can skip out of it. So Mm -hmm. if your hook or your intro isn't strong enough in those three seconds, um, someone can easily just jump out. And so you want to capture that user's attention in the first five seconds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right on. Um, Can you share with us what type of businesses? Do you focus on specific industries? I know you're mostly direct to consumer, but is there like specific industries within you serve most? Sure. Uh, We work with beauty brands, pet brands, consumer packaged goods. We we work across 12 different verticals, Uh, subscription, subscription boxes. We're in food and beverage, health and wellness. Uh, so yeah, just a, a number of uh, different brands, even like SaaS platforms as well. Nice. Okay. Um, what uh, what what kind of industry are these SaaS businesses in? They're all consumer-facing type of products, where it's more. Uh, when I say consumer-facing, I'm I'm saying in the sense of less B two B and more to con- directly to the end user. So think you know, something like that. Think Babel, think Rosetta Stone. Yes. Uh, yeah. We, for context here, we are looking at uh, what Duolingo has done for language learning. Yep. And we plan on doing the same thing within Ticker, but for financial education, these short, simple, gamified, these fun little modules to get people warmed yep. up to investing education. It'd be a freemium product bolted onto the app. So anybody can get in and start using these modules for free. But of course you yep. want the ticker, the ticker data, you gotta subscribe. Yep. Um, so we'll use that kind of model. So it sounds like, you know, Babel is similar to Duolingo. It's that language learning freemium type product. Yeah, uh, I would also check out the street. Yeah, yeah, I'm very familiar. Nice. Have you worked with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, earlier on in my career, I was running marketing at thestreet.com. Oh, thus, got it. Yes, you mentioned that you work with Jim Cramer. Yep, yep. Quick segue here. How was he to work with? You know, so my interaction with him was limited, but in the sense of like the amount of work he puts in and with his schedule, it's just like, it's unbelievable. And mm-hmm. thing is, he really, you know, he really cares about the information he's putting out there. So when we're talking about specific deployments, that would be the time I would like, you know, engage. And so it's more like, okay, well, you know, is this the right angle or are we providing the right education? So it's, it was, uh, it was nice overall. Yeah. That's, that's refreshing to hear. I, I've been, you know, reading his newsletters and watching his videos for years. And I, I, we've got a lot of retail investors here in our audience. So they, most of them know who Jim Cramer is, but uh, no, that's good to know. Um, let's keep going with your company. 
Um, could you share with us, is there like one of your services that really stands out over and above, like it really moves the needle generating yeah. significant revenue? Yeah. So, you know, we help our like, and these are some of the ancillary services, like we'll help with building websites, right? And we'll run influencer programs. And But really the crux of our business is growth acceleration, where we're doing everything for you. And the reason why that's important, it creates natural stick because once our partners start working with us uh, in this like growth acceleration service, we're doing so much for them that almost becomes turnkey, right? And we're then we're providing all of this data back. And that's like the bulk of our business. And then, you know, we'll have like the one-off, like, hey, can you build their site? Or, hey, can you develop our creatives? Or, you know, can you jump in and consult for 10 hours? Or, you know, whatever uh, those other services can kind of look like. But the main part of our business is being our partners, both on team, coming on, understanding what they're doing, where the pain points are, like running through different exercises with them and then going out and buying media. Right on. Okay. So you kind of, you got to figure out, you know, who are their customers, where are their customers and really optimize your, your campaign, your marketing campaign based on that information. Yes. Right. Right on. Okay. I know a service business, it can be, it can be high touch. It can be a lot of time. How are you, well, this is not so much you, but your team, do you like assign like an account executive or somebody that really owns the outcome of a specific customer? Yeah. So in terms of like structure, there's always two to three people on a team. Hmm. That's just important. And then I jump into the planning calls, you know, personally, I'm in every Slack channel with every client, you know, I have just an understanding of what's going on overall. We like to communicate with our clients directly in Slack. So you have access to us. Our clients email us, of course, they're texting us. Our goal is really to provide like excellent communication because that's the most important part of our business. And then we're in our clients' weekly meetings where we're going over reporting and performance on a weekly basis. But then it might be like other meetings as well. Like, hey, we need to set up X, Y, and Z. We're not sure how to do this. Do you guys know how to do this? So we'll jump in, we'll help out, you know, Kind of everywhere we can. Right. Yeah. It's it's all about that. Asking the question, where, where can we help you? Where do you need help most? What are your pain yes. points? Stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that's good to hear. You've got kind of a dedicated team to each customer. Yeah. Let's drill into that a little further. Let's say you got three people assigned to a customer. Will those three people also be serving other customers or just that one? Uh, it depends on the client. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because like if we're working with, smaller accounts. Really, the goal is to have each team member work with no more than like four clients maximum. And the reason why, you know, if you're running like a large program, a team member can maybe only work with like three partners, maybe one's large, one's medium, one's small. The reason why is because we're running across multiple ad platforms, we're advising across so many different things, plus we're in constant communication with the client. And the moment, you know, that I've learned uh, kind of in this like agency world, it's if you cross four, it becomes very challenging. And then you lose that on performance. Clients then might not be happy. You lose business, there's high yep. turnover. So the way we limit all of that is like three, max four 
uh, clients per you know per team member. Smart. I'm, and thanks for being a little transparent there on how many you can manage at a time. Because I've seen businesses where you know somebody's trying to manage six, eight, ten at a time, and they're spread too thin. Right? You you lose quality per customer, and then you run into churn. Your customers are not leaving. You're keeping customers on average a year and a half. They could be leaving you after six months. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want that, right? Right. Yeah. No, that's it's good to know. Let's let's dive a little bit more into your business here. I always like to learn um, any key lessons learned on your journey here building this company. Um, it's very important for every business owner to understand cash flow and you know have parameters in place for cash flow. Like, of course, like a lot of venture backed businesses, there's a specific cash runway and. I understand the grow at all costs mentality, but that's kind of going away right now with, you know, with these high interest rates, like for a lot of VCs, their unit economics are changing on every deal. So that's very important because there are upswings and down cycles in every business. And it's like, cool, how do you capitalize on the upswing, you know, um, and how do you keep it going? And then on a downswing, how do you limit costs? So having that understanding, if especially if you have historical data, Maybe it doesn't line up every year just, you know, with like the COVID upswings, right, that a lot of D2C businesses saw. But it is important to create like, hey, if we don't get paid on time, here's where we are. If we do get paid on time, here's where we are. Um, just understanding those economics is very important. Smart. Very smart. And then can you share with us what was one of the biggest wins you've had with this company? Oh, uh, I have been very fortunate to work with very smart and dedicated people. And, you know, I think that's the biggest win because everybody cares about every, like if you're working with a partner, you really care. You're, we're talking to our partners every day. We are trying to drive the best performance we can every day. And then over time, you build this relationship with the partner, right? Like some partners will jump around different companies and then bring us on and, so like, it's a nice feeling when that does happen because it's like, hey, you trust us. Um, and I've, yeah, I've been super fortunate to work with a dedicated team, you know, hardworking, very smart. Great team. Yeah. And what is the, do you have, do you have people who are all in the U.S.? Because I know you're based in New York. Is everybody in the U.S. or do you have teams overseas? Yep. Uh, the majority of our team is in the U.S. We have two folks in India. We went to India, opened an office there last year. And the primary reason for that is for a lot of technical support, which, you know, Pixel set up, it helps with like resource constraint and bandwidth issues because like the technical support on certain setup might become like a challenge on, on our side, but having team members there allows us to allow them to jump in to certain technical situations where we can iron a lot of these challenges or partners facing out pretty quickly. Yeah. Now you mentioned you use Slack for communication, especially with customers. I, I assume Slack is a key tool for internal communication, keep everybody organized. But what else do you use to keep a sizable team organized and, and yeah. moving in the right direction? So we use Slack. We have Monday, uh, monday.com. Mm, yep. That helps a lot. We are building our own proprietary system where every team member that's working with a client can submit their creative requests and, you know, we can assign it to a team member similar to what like Monday does, but more for creative and content creation. Um, sure, there are platforms out there that do some form of it, but it's going to make it easier for us. And then over time, it'll 
help us create a, a process where it's an MVP that can be a business in its own for just creatives, right? Like a user can, consumer can go on, sign up, and then we can develop creatives for them directly. So those are a couple tools, but I think something else that's very important, it's like transparency in our meetings, like in our internal meetings. So we go over, you know, we have a few different meetings that we leverage. So one of them, we go over every account. Is it on target? Is it not on target? And if it's not on target, we as a team discuss, okay, what are the pain points? What can we do to help? Who on the team can jump in? You might be on a, a team that has nothing to do with that one respective account, but you might have an idea from a test you ran or something you learned. And so it's like a lot of collaboration. We have at the end of the week, weekly creative meeting where everybody and test meeting where everybody talks about hey, we ran these tests this week. Here's what's going on. You know, so there's this constant learning that's occurring. And then our monthly all hands, we call it state of the business. We go over all of the wins. We go over cash flows, revenue, expenses. All of that's displayed to the entire team so that everybody understands like, hey, we're going to go through a cycle of growth or, hey, you know, one large client churned. This is how it's impacting mm -hmm. revenue. Here's the reality. Here's how we're going to like work through it. But we need X, Y, and Z goals from everybody to, you know, ensure that we're performing to the best of our ability. You, I'm going to be excited to hear the response to this next question, but you are checking all the boxes. We'll touch on the why. Let's get to it. So revenues, what are your revenues at now? Uh, last year, we did $1.2 million uh, in fees. And, you know, the goal this year is to hit $2 million. We've, wow. we've doubled growth, more than double growth year over year. So we want to keep growing. In terms of media managed last year, we managed 10 million. There you go. Okay. So just to break this down, and I've talked to a lot of service professionals here, you are like hitting it out of the park with collaboration, transparency with your team, communication. They say, you know, even I had Brad Feld on the podcast, he's talking about the number one reason why businesses fail. And this is can also relate to why marriages fail. And that's lack of communication or poor communication. <laughs> you know, you are excellent. I love the transparency, especially with the numbers, because that gets everybody pointed in the same direction. What are we going for? Yeah. Um, the Another key takeaway too, I thought was great is that iterative process of lessons learned. There's too many businesses that I'll talk about lessons learned on projects like every six months. And that's way too long. Like what you're doing, it sounds like almost every week or every two weeks, like, okay, we learned this, this worked, but this didn't. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, especially like in the business, there might be something that works great for one client and not great for another. But if there is like a small portion of the budget to leverage for tests and if it's working great, well, let's test it out. So, yeah, it's very iterative. Awesome. This is a blueprint for those listeners out there. You want to create a service business, even a SaaS business. A lot of key, key, great takeaways here. This is great. Um, before we jump to the rapid fire round, yep. do you have one key takeaway, something our audience can do today if they're an entrepreneur and they're building their business? Uh, I think that if you're an entrepreneur and you you have a team already established, and if you don't, you know, focus on aligning your goals with the team and don't be afraid to be transparent. The reason why it's because like, if you have goals, growth goals, and there's a marker for your team members to hit and they're like a lot of them, you know, not everybody, but a, like the majority of your team and hopefully all of them will go out and try to hit those goals with you. And then you are a team 
you have alignment in what's going on. And if something doesn't work, talk about the, like, it's less, you know, I I think sometimes uh, human nature is to fall into this trap, like, oh, it didn't work, man, like, like, throw that out the window and ask yourself, why did it not work? Why? What was the reasoning? Like, did we not spend enough time here? Did we not set up a proper process? What is the root issue? Like, if you focus on these two things that ultimately fall under communication and have alignment, you know, it's a lot easier to go out and hit the goal you want to hit. Right on. Right on. Let's take a quick commercial break. Hey, this is Sean. I'd like to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I know there's a lot of other podcasts you could be listening to, so thanks for taking the time to listen to this one. I have a quick request. If you have a moment, could you please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review? The reason is the more ratings we get and the higher those ratings are, the more Apple will share us with the world. So thanks in advance for doing that. And then I have a quick comment. If there are any questions you want me to ask the guests, please head over to our ticker Facebook group. You can drop a question right there. I'll go ahead and make a note and I'll do my best to ask that question on the podcast. All right, back to the show. All right. Well, let's jump into the rapid fire round. This is the part of the episode where we get to find out who Haymont really is. If you can, try to answer each question in 15 seconds or less. You ready? Sounds good. All right. What is your favorite podcast? Favorite podcast? Uh, I want to say Ecom on Tap. It's about, you know, different things that are going on in e-commerce. Nice. Yeah. All right. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? Uh, right now, I'm reading Homo Deus. It is from the uh, author of uh, Sapiens. I love the book Sapiens. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm reading right now. What I would recommend is reading Ray Dalio's Principles or The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good choices. All right, what is your favorite movie? Lord of the Rings. Oh, <laughs> nice call. Did you like the new series on Amazon? So I started watching it. Uh, I haven't gotten through, like I, I watched the first episode. It was a little slower and I know I need to dedicate time to get yeah. into the story. So I'm giving it a little time, uh, you know, before I, I jump fully in. I, I won't totally nerd out here, but it is a slow buildup. But for the true Lord of the Rings fans out there, it is worth it because it really, by that episode, I think it's 10 episodes or something by like seven or eight. It's like, okay, now, now we're talking. Yeah, that's good. All right, business questions. What is the worst advice you ever received? Worst advice of it. Uh, this, one's, this one's a little tough. Because like the, and the reason why I say that it's like, you learn things, right? So I'm not like, oh, it was bad advice. Cool. What did I learn from it? Did that pan out positively? Right. That's how I think of things. So that's okay. Yeah. I love that attitude, by the way, because you can always, even if it's a negative, you can pull a positive from it. So yeah, good point there. So flip that. Let's talk about what is the best advice you ever received? Uh, I would say my dad always saying to me, you know, just put your head down and keep going. Nice. Determination, fortitude. Yep. Good traits. Um, all right. Last question. Here's the time machine question. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? Uh, I would say early 20s. And I would kind of echo the sentiment of the best advice I've received. Like, there are going to be ups and downs that are coming your way. You know, the best thing you can do for that is just see what you can learn, keep a positive attitude and, and, and just keep going. Awesome. 
I totally agree. All right. Where can the audience reach you? Uh, you can email me at hayment at digicom.io or come check out our website, digicom.io. You know, happy to talk business. Just learn a little bit about your goals, provide some you know, information as to how we can help you or what you could do as a next step to keep growing. Awesome. Hey, Matt, this was awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Hey, I'd like to say thank you for checking out this podcast. I know there's a lot of other podcasts you could be listening to. So thanks for spending some time with me. Also, if you have a moment, could you please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review? The more reviews we get, the more Apple will share this podcast with the world. So thanks for doing that. And last thing, if you do hear any stocks mentioned on this podcast, please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do not make a buy or sell decision based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you later. See ya.